This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, friends. Welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Uh, Robbie Lashua here. I'm your host along with my co-host, Tyler Hurley. What's up, Tyler? What is going on, you guys? We are super excited to be back with you on another episode, continuing on what we talked about last week. We're going to be talking a little bit more about sanctification today. Yeah, and how our salvation, how going to heaven when we die isn't contingent on our performance. But there are other things that we gain to lose based on how well we live for the Lord or how we don't. Correct. So we got to get into that. But before we talk about that, we need to talk about a coffee tip. So Tyler, you got a coffee tip yes. for us. We need to talk about it because this is Christ culture and coffee. That's right. It's a part of it. So the coffee tip for today is hot brewed coffee versus cold brewed coffee. Okay. This is fascinating. I didn't know this. Some people like one more than the other. Some people like <laughs> yeah. them both. But what's the I, difference? I prefer hot coffee. I drink it more often than I do cold. Um, but what's interesting is that ca- the caffeine intake is basically the same between the two. Uh, there's not really okay. a loss of or increase of caffeine versus That's good. hot or icy. Yeah. Well, it's, and it makes sense because uh, really the caffeine you're getting is out of the bean, which is extracted. It doesn't matter about the temperature. It just mm-hmm. comes out of that. So well, I would think like, brood, but I, mean, yeah. I would think hot water extracts more of what's in the bean, but I guess it doesn't. Sure. That's, yeah, that's what you would yeah. think. Yeah. But I mean, that's how with cold brew, with I caffeine, mean, yeah, you yeah. can see that. Yeah. So, so yeah, so there's no difference though with the caffeine. Um, but there are differences still in hot versus cold. And, uh, um, I'm going to get into those. So for hot coffee, apparently the antioxidants are actually much higher huh. than they are in cold coffee. So if you want more antioxidants, hot's the way to go. Correct. Interesting. That, that is a fact. That's kind of weird. I wonder why. I, I don't know the I science don't, yeah, behind I it, don't but either. that's interesting. Yeah. It is interesting, but I do know that that is the case. You get more antioxidants out of hot coffee. Okay. Um, and then with that, uh, the acidity is also higher in hot coffee, and mm. but which and that kind of makes sense. That one you I can taste that. That yeah. one I've I've actually I feel like I could have figured that one out because yeah. Uh, yeah, like when you have cold brew, obviously the whole time it was never brewed hot, so like, uh, it's way less acidic. So that's why when yeah. you drink cold brew, it's I mean it, it's still acidic. Like coffee has some acidity sure. to it, but with cold brew it's a lot smoother and it's a little easier on the stomach in that sense. Well, I think that's the reason people like cold brews because it's yeah. a smoother taste. It's not so sharp. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that, that's the difference there. So it's very interesting because I, I wouldn't have thought so much, but apparently there are differences uh, such as the antioxidants and the acidity, whether or not you're drinking your coffee hot or cold. Yeah. So I guess the choice is between antioxidants or acidity. And temperature. Yeah. Temperature has a little to do with sure, it. Sure, of course. <laughs> Temperature's a big deal. I wouldn't want to drink iced coffee when it's like freezing cold out. You know what so. I want to do is I want to get a cold brew and then I want to heat it up. <laughs> I'm kind of weird though. Works. I've been judged on this a lot, but I drink hot coffee even when it's like 120 out here in Phoenix. That's crazy. You must not sweat at all. I don't really. I weird. mean, I do a little bit, but yeah. not 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 like not me. crazy. Okay. <laughs> right? well, that's no, good. No. So there we go. Uh, that's well, cool. your coffee tip for today. That's a good coffee tip. Helping us choose between what we want, hot brewed or yes. cold brewed. So, mm. all right, well, let's get into the topic today. So today we're going to talk about, we're kind of continuing on last week's episode about uh, assurance of salvation, eternal security. Because of our stance on this, we do need to address another aspect of what scripture talks about. So we believe that 
Uh, you cannot lose your salvation once you've believed in Jesus Christ. However, some people will point to passages in Scripture and say, look, these passages claim that you can lose it. Or if you didn't do well, you just had spurious faith or you had, you know, whatever, mm. you know, a, a, a unreal faith in Jesus. And so you need to perform well in order to know you actually have it. Uh, so we want to look at some of these verses and what they're saying. <clears throat> but first, I just really want to hit on again what we believe you must do to be saved. Mm. We are saved by the grace of God through faith. We trust in him and he gives us this gift that Jesus earned on our behalf, that Jesus' sacrifice uh, got for us. And if we trust in that, we are given eternal life, the Bible says. Mm. And it's not based on our works, it's based on our faith. That is how we receive the gift of eternal life, through faith. The saving of Jesus comes through faith. Now, this is a single act of faith. And this is important because a lot of people have differing views on this, but I believe that scripture is clear that it's a single act of faith. And in this act of faith, you are redeemed, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, you are regenerated by the Holy Spirit, you become born again, you become a child of God. All these things that the Bible talks about happen at the moment of belief. It's a one-time act. Now, our feelings about salvation and our performance um, will never change the consequence of this initial act of faith. Right. You may waver in how you feel you're doing living for the Lord, but it doesn't change this initial act of faith. If you received eternal life, which is what the Bible claims you get when you believe, how can you lose it? Like we talked about last week, then it wouldn't be called eternal life. It would be called potential to get it or something like that. Right. The essence of eternal life is that it's eternal. Yeah, that's exactly. kind of a big point. That, you know? That's a huge point. It's something that we really need to emphasize. And I'm, we're just taking scripture at its word, mm-hmm. at what it says, right? So if you receive it, you cannot lose it. Yes. We also believe that growing to spiritual maturity is not guaranteed for every believer. And this is because there's so many passages imploring Christians to walk in the spirit, to abide in Christ, to follow his teachings, to obey Because there's so many of these passages that are saying that, it's implying that you could not obey, you could not abide. Yeah, exactly. And it makes sense logically. There's no reason for those commands unless you could fail to follow the commands. Mm Does that make sense? Yes. So that's a big deal. So we don't think that growing to spiritual maturity is guaranteed for every believer. We have to be willing to follow God. We have to be willing to abide in Christ. We have to be willing to walk in the spirit. So this gets down to this idea that being born again and growing spiritually are two different things. Of course they are. We don't think they're the same thing. Becoming a Christian... And following after Jesus are not the same things. And so this would be a distinction that I I have. I've never talked to you about this, but when you get to people who believe in what's called the lordship salvation, Mm -hmm. um, I don't believe in that. Um, And sometimes people will present the gospel and they'll say things like, um, you need to believe in Jesus and you need to commit to following him the rest of your life and make him the Lord of your life. And I go, wait, there's no place in scripture that says that your eternal life is contingent on following the Lord your whole life. And that's that's something that people get confused a lot. And it it goes back to what we talked about last week's episode. It's that strings attached mentality, right? Christians just have this preconceived idea 
in, well, people, human beings do just yes. in general. Uh, it's a human nature thing that we have this preconceived idea that there's always going to be some catch to it. We have to work. You, yep. you are dependent on your own. Yeah. Result. And, that's, yeah. and that's why every religion is works-based <laughs> except mm-hmm. for the real religion, Christianity. Correct. But, but sometimes we muddy it up with this, yeah, this strings attached mentality right. when no, this is actually free mm, because yeah. Jesus is enough. And the little bit of the strings you could bring to the situation are failures. Yeah. They're nothing in comparison with what Jesus did on the cross. So mm. growing spiritually is a lifelong quest, which takes obedience and abiding in Christ. But being born again is a one-time momentary act that happens. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't follow the Lord. Of course we should. Uh, it's so important to follow what Jesus says. It's so important to obey what Jesus' word says. There are many reasons for its importance. But if we don't follow in obedience what Jesus tells us to do, mm. it doesn't mean we can lose our justification if we've been born again. Right. And that's, that's what, that's so important today. But we wanted to talk about some of these passages that talk about losing things or suffering loss and how do we make sense of them? Cause they're in the Bible. And if it's yeah. not about losing your salvation, what is, what is losing? Right. Right. And, and that's what we want to talk about. It's, uh, it's all about the context, right? And we yep. did a whole series on context. And if you were interested in wanting to learn more about that, or even if you just want a refresher, please go back and, uh, listen to those episodes. We break it down, but it just in a nutshell, I'm going to say what the contexts are again. Um, it is crowd, right? Like each letter in context, right? Crowd or the audience, uh, O for occasion, historical background and literary genre. Uh, the name and name of the author, whose name or signature is on the end of this manuscript. Time, the date that the passage takes place. Echoes, repeated words. Explanation, word studies. T, text says. Uh, what does the text say? Which is a kind of observation of it. Mm-hmm. And then the lastly, uh, lastly, S says to me, which yep. is the application. Uh, so like what? So what? What is the purpose of this? How can I apply this to my life? So you need to bring all these things together in order to come to an understanding of what the passage is trying to say. So uh, now having reviewed that, the context, we're going to look at the context of this passage of a passage here, yeah. several passages. And, and again, I think that with the context, um, tools that we've talked yes. about, this is just, this is the way that everybody does good exegesis. It absolutely and we, is. we put it in a way that's easy to remember with context, with one you know letter for each word. But when we apply this to scripture, what you're going to see is that every passage in scripture isn't talking about how you go to heaven when you die. In mm. fact, most of the passages in scripture are not talking not, about how no. you go to heaven when you die. And so it's important for us to, to study the scripture in context, to exegete it correctly, or we're going to come to misapplications to our life. Yeah, yeah. That can be devastating. We really want to know what God said and what he's communicated. And so, okay, let's, let's go ahead and do that with this passage from 1 Corinthians. Yeah, yeah. so I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. It says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not fleshly, and you are not walking like, uh, sorry, and are you not walking like mere men? 
Mm-hmm. So the point that he's trying to say here, he's like, he's like, look, like, I mean, the crowd in the Corinthian church, who is referring to, right, in verse 1, because we're, we're addressing the context. Yep. So who that's, is this written to? Who is this written to? That's brethren, which is Christians. Yeah. So that's so it. I, brethren. I brethren, mean, yeah. The church, uh, which is uh, five years after Paul established a church. So there we go. We have the date. Yeah, the time. Okay, the yep. time. Uh, he, the carnal Christians, mean like the ones who are immature, they were like mere men. They were like everyone else. That's what he's saying. He's like, you're like the average man. You are not, um, uh, he was saying, uh, talking about how they're exhibiting fleshly attitudes and desires. They're living in their sin and they're living like non-Christians do. Yeah. You're living like the casual man. Yeah. That's what he's saying. Yeah. And so, that's important because yeah. a lot of people don't, don't have a good, robust theology of the carnal Christian. Yeah. But yeah. right here, Paul talks about Hey, Christians who are living as infants, as baby Christians, just living like non-Christians live, having all these problems as opposed to mature Christians. And that's what he wants for them because he even says like, you're still like this. Like when I first came to you, you were like that. (laughs) But what's your excuse after five years? You're still in the same state of affairs. Why aren't you maturing Mm. in the Lord? But he never once says, therefore, you're going to hell when you, you know. Exactly. And that's the key there, Robbie. That's what he's talking about he's pointing out the fact is by him addressing them as brethren mm-hmm. he's he's addressing them and saying like christians yeah. that's what he's saying yeah they Fellow are christians, christians. Dude, and i know people on all sides of the, the theological spectrum and they all agree with that yeah that this is written to christians and he's talking to these christians who are living like yes. non-christians so you have to understand that if he's talking to christians that implies that they already have salvation yeah because a christian is one who has received christ yep that is a christian so what he's saying the implications of this passage are that you can live your life as another mere man. You yeah. can live it the rest of your life only drinking uh, milk spiritually, yep. not meat as a child would, right? So that's the thing. So he, he's saying that there is a different type of Christian than a mature person. There's a difference there. Yep. Uh, if a carnal Christians are reality, like Paul says, how can we base our assurance on our performance? That's the question there. That's important because if it's possible for real Christians to live like non-Christians, which is what this passage says, Mm -hmm. then how can I base my assurance of going to heaven when I die on how well I'm doing if my life can Mm. look just like my non-Christian neighbor's life? Yes. You would say, well, you wouldn't know if you're saved based on that. Well, the thing is, assurance isn't based on performance. It's based on the works of Jesus, regardless of how mature or immature Christians are. And so I think this passage is really important for us. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, and the, the theology of a carnal Christian. And then what's interesting, Tyler, is like the whole book of 1 Corinthians is a corrective book to these people who are a mess, who are getting drunk at communion. There's mm-hmm. a guy in the church who's having an affair with his dad's wife, and whether that's his physical mom or stepmom or whatever, I mean, there is just so many problems in this church And it's because they're not maturing. Mm, They're staying infants, but Paul still believes they're in Christ. He still believes they're brethren. He still believes they're Christians, even with all this sin in their life. And that's, that's the key there. That's what we want to focus on. So, so we believe that there is a way in which to be saved or justified. And that's to believe what Jesus did for you on the cross. And once you believe you're born again, can never be undone. Now, What Christians need to do is start living for Jesus, sanctification, Mm. following after him. And we should do this because God prepared works 
yes. ahead of time. And I think the passage literally says that we should walk in them, which implies yes. you might not do it, but you should do it, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a subjunctive. We should do it. So as Christians, we need to follow after the Lord, right? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He mm. didn't say, if you keep my commandments, I'll let you into heaven. Right? See the yeah. difference? Mm-hmm. This is about following Jesus, showing him we love him. So are there consequences for the carnal Christian believer who doesn't really obey Jesus in this life? Because that's the question it always comes down to is, well, if you're saying I can just say a prayer and then go to heaven when I die, then that's just a lame reading of the Bible. And I don't think you can just say a prayer and go to heaven when you die. I don't even think you have to pray. I think you have to believe in what Jesus did because yes. that's what it says to do. But there are consequences for not following after Jesus. But Mm. the consequences aren't losing your eternal life. So what do we lose if we're disobedient to the Lord? What can Christians lose if they're carnal and they don't follow the teachings of Jesus Christ? Yeah, well, well, there's a few things that can be lost. Yeah, before we go on to that, I want to read 1 Corinthians 3, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So this is really interesting to me because right after Paul talks to them and calls them carnal Christians, fleshly Christians, in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, Mm. he says this in 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15. Now, if any man builds on the foundation, and he he said the foundation is Christ. So now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Mm. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Mm. So now this is talking about rewards, and we're going to talk about that a little more later. But he's saying if you build legit works upon the cornerstone of Jesus, if you do what he's asked you to do, that precious stone, silver, gold will remain in the future. But if you build with spurious stuff, if you don't follow the Lord, if your work is just stubble and straw and hay, right, metaphorically, that gets burned up and you suffer loss. Loss of what? Loss of your works, loss of reward. But we're not saved by our works. And that's why he says, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. Even Mm -hmm. if all of the works that a person does don't amount to anything— They're still saved because they've trusted in Christ. And so the carnal Christian stands to lose something when we're judged. Works. But we don't lose our salvation because we will be saved even if we live a terrible life for the Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, and that's, that's the thing too. We want to continue to talk about that because obviously there are things that are lost. Well, yeah. And we yeah. want to be clear with what scripture says. There are, it's, it, there's real warnings because it's warning mm-hmm. us that something bad could happen. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. That's the message that we really want to get across to you guys. We're, we're not saying that we aren't supposed to walk in Christ and we're not supposed to live out our lives for him in obedience with him. It's something that we need to focus on together. So, uh, here's what I'm going to address next. So I'm going to read a passage here, Romans 8, 12 through 13. So, so then brethren, we, again, brethren, Christians, we are under obligation, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. Now it's okay. So the question is, is he talking about eternal death 
or eternal life, or is he talking about physical life and death? Uh, it seems physical. Yeah, because yeah. He, like you said, he calls them brethren, mm-hmm. and we shouldn't be under obligation to live according to the lusts of our flesh, right? right. Yeah. Um, because if you're living according to the flesh, you're going to die. Yeah, it's true. Sin kills you fast. Well, and that's a fascinating concept too, but it's true. Like you live out a life of sin, uh, it's more likely you're going to die a lot younger. Yeah, it's we, just true. Well, and haven't haven't you observed this? Yeah, I've seen this firsthand with people I know who got into drugs and who got into mm-hmm. just sleeping around with everyone they can. Yeah, they get disease. They get any addicted. form of sexual immorality really brings that too. Yeah, yeah it's or, it's so sad. Yeah. So and again, it's not just those things. It's it's the you know the crooked businessman. Right. It's the habitual liar. It's people who are entrapped and enslaved by their flesh. Yeah. Instead of following the teachings of Jesus and allowing Him to help. They they right. stay and they they um what's the word I want to use? They cultivate sin in their mm. life. And it kills you. Now yeah. you can't lose your salvation based upon that because your salvation isn't based upon your works. But right. it can kill you. Yes. And I think that's Paul's point, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, exactly. And then I want to read on another passage, uh James chapter five, verses fourteen through sixteen. It's about how sickness and sin can sometimes be connected. And this is important. I want to touch on this. Uh, Starting verse 14. So it says, anyone among you sick, then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven of him. Therefore... Excuse me. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Okay. It is really interesting how he connects that sometimes sickness and sin can be connected. Yes. Sometimes our sin makes us sick. Yeah, it does. And, and that's exactly what we're talking about. Not all the time, but sometimes. Right, right. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, obviously, you know that, like, in most cases, you go up and you, like, literally pray for someone. I shouldn't say most. It happens a lot. But in a lot of cases where you go up and you pray for someone who's sick, they don't get better all the time. This mm-hmm. isn't, like, like that. But what it's saying is it's saying that, like, sin can bring about this. Yeah. It can happen. Well, think about it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I've talked with a lot of high schoolers in, in my ministry, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of these guys, you know, they'll get addicted to porn. Right. Yeah. And they don't like it because they're a Christian. And when they're in their rational mind, they hate it. And yet mm. their flesh is strong and they, they get involved and they get addicted to pornography. Yeah. And what starts to happen, Tyler, you think about this, uh, they're staying up late at night when they're supposed to be sleeping, watching a bunch of stuff that they shouldn't. Yeah. Um, then, um, they're exhausted all day at school or at work and they're not doing their best, right. which uh, affects their paycheck or affects their grade. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, um, pornography loses its luster after you watch it so much because you get desensitized to it. Yeah. And so it's not even enjoyable like it had been, but you're entrapped and you need to keep watching or watch more. And so to satisfy a need. Yeah. yeah like a all drug. of these yeah. things are spiraling mm-hmm. down into the death of many things, uh, the death of your good grades, the death of, of hard work and, and yeah. representing Christ in your job, uh, the death of relationships because you're tired all the time because yeah, you're having right. virtual relationships. I mean, all these things. And, and if you continue to to let that just grow out of control, then you need to do harder and harder stuff to get the same high you would get yeah. from pornography. And it can eventually lead into um, rape 
it can eventually lead into, I mean, bad, bad yeah. stuff. And I'm not saying everybody who looks at pornography is a rapist. I'm not saying no, that. of course. Yeah, but, but if you allow sin to fester and grow, mm. Jesus' brother said it brings death. Yeah. It brings death. And so sometimes our sin brings sickness into our life. Amen to that. Yeah. It just so does. That's, just, that's true. Yeah. It's it's something that needs to be addressed. Uh, and, and that's what he's talking about. He's saying like, yeah, like sin, it, it has an effect on us. Not yep. living your life for the Lord has a physical effect on us. And yep. it, it does. And there's and that's why we that. need to confess our sins and have accountability and all those <laughs> exactly. things. Exactly. And that's why that's all important. And so continuing on, another example of this is uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 29 through 30. It says, for he who eats and drinks... Uh, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep, meaning are de- dead. dead. Yeah. yeah, and this is, again, to the Corinthian church who's really jacked up and immature yeah. and living like carnal people. And um, what this passage is addressing is they were getting drunk at communion. <laughs> they were. Um, mm-hmm. They weren't waiting for everybody, and certain people were eating all the food ahead of time. I mean, just yeah. so selfishness, And, and that brings obesity or other health yeah. problems. That could happen, too. Well, it's and things like that. In Corinth, so, sure. so they have like... Corinth was like, I mean, it's like Las Vegas. It's like Sin City back then. Yeah. And so they have all these gods there, the god of wine, right? And so there were other uh, religious beliefs and cults in Corinth who, to celebrate their god, would get trashed. Mm -hmm. And so the Corinthians are like, oh, we know what the Lord's Supper is about. Because we used to do that. It's about yeah. it's about just getting drunk. And Paul's like, what are you doing? And (laughs) imagine this, bro. Because they weren't taking the Lord's Supper in the right manner. Some of them were weakened, some were sick, and some died. Could you imagine dying at communion because you were getting too drunk or whatever? Yeah. And you're standing before the Lord and he's like, what were you doing? How embarrassing. Because it's supposed to be an act of worship and you end up killing yourself over it. Well, and he never says... abusing yourself. Yes. Yeah. And the whole context of 1 Corinthians 2 is to the church at Corinth, to brethren, brethren, brethren. And when he says, some of you are weak, sick, and a number sleep, who's the you? It's the Christians in Corinth. And so he's saying that, yeah, Christians are doing this. Yeah. That's the thing. And so not living for the Lord can result in, in physical death, Mm-hmm. in bad health, in a lot of these things. And we all know this. Living a sinful life brings about a swifter death. Yes. It's just true. So that's one of the things that we can lose out on is physical life, physical health. Right. If we're not living the way that God has told us to. Um, another thing, and this is this is a huge deal for me, I think about this every day, is that we can lose eternal rewards. And I think mm-hmm. that in Christianity, there is just such a void of a robust theology of rewards. And when you read scripture, it's all over the place Mm. but people equate these passages with going to heaven when you die yes well they're not really rewards they're just getting into heaven if you live a faithful life they equate that to salvation that's the problem and and the truth of it is we don't get into heaven based on our works i don't think the bible could be any clearer on that well and again it's it's like what i said we have to look at the context because uh, so many passages talk about things like this or have that language, right? Yep. Of, of, um, future judgments or future rewards. And it doesn't always mean salvation. No, but Major- people, a lot of times it. it doesn't actually. I think, I think a lot of Christians have this view that all scripture is about is how to go to heaven when you die. And that's not true. And it's about so no. much more than that. It's about having purpose now and living kingdom living here and now, Yeah, yeah. not just for when you die. So I want to read, I want to read some passages here. So second Corinthians five ten says something fascinating. For we, okay, stop right there. 
context, who is the we? Well, Paul's talking about himself yeah. and the Corinthian believers. So it's Christians. Christians. We Christians, yep. yep. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, mm-hmm. so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Time out. Mm. Recompensed? Do you know what that means? Paid. Paid. Paid for your deeds. This cannot be talking about how to go to heaven when you die. Of course it Because can. that's not no. based on our works, right? Yeah, you can't it's do that. It's not based on our deeds. So what is he talking about? Well, he's not talking about how to get into heaven. Mm. He's talking about rewards in heaven. Because how we live this life and the deeds we do in this life actually do matter for this future judgment of Christians. Yes. All Christians are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, or the word is bima, the bima seat, um, and we are going to be judged for how well we followed the Lord. Yeah. So you can go to heaven and your works can be burned up as through fire. Or you can go to heaven and you could have lived a good life for Jesus and you'll be rewarded for a righteous life, a life well lived. Paul talks about this again in Romans 14, 10 through 12. He says, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Well, what are we giving an account for? How well we live so we can go to heaven? No. We're giving an account of, did you live for me? Because there's rewards to be had. And this is really interesting because the word bima, um, the Corinthians would be very familiar with this. In Corinth, actually still today, you can go and see it. The bima seat in Corinth is still there. And what the bima was, it was was a large raised platform and it was richly decorated. And it was a place where two things happened. One of the things that happened there was that during the Isthmian Games, which were kind of like a precursor to the Olympic Games, um, this is where rewards were handed out to the winners of the athletic contests, right? This is kind of like the podium. Yeah. This is where, okay, the, the ruler of Corinth would hand out the rewards to the people who won the athletic contest. And the rewards that were handed out there, you know, they handed out garlands or like wreaths, like crown kind of things. Um, sometimes they'd even hand out special social benefits, like you didn't have to pay income tax, which isn't that great? You didn't have to pay tax at all for life. (laughs) Man, that would be an awesome reward. Um, So rewards were given out at the Bema seat. Mm -hmm. And Paul, knowing that the Corinthians knew this, say, we're all going to stand before the Bema of Jesus and we're going to give an account for how we lived. Mm-hmm. That's why he says stuff like run the race with endurance, right? Yeah, I, I yeah. run the race. Athletes are self-disciplined because he's trying to get us to live for the Lord and be disciplined in what we're doing because there's a reward to be had. Not only were rewards given out at the Bema seat, but in addition to that, judgment was issued from the Bema seat. Um, we, we see this in Acts 18.12 where they're at the Bema and they're being judged by the proconsul who's there. Paul tells us there's a day coming when we'll all stand before the bema seat of Christ, and it'll be a day of rewards given, but also judgment and loss of rewards for people who didn't live faithfully. And that's why he says we have to give an account for the things we've done in our body, whether good or, or bad. Yeah. Whether good or bad. So there is a day coming where this is going to happen. Uh, Luke 12, 2 through 3. Um, Jesus said, but there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. 
Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. Mm. This should be very sobering to us. There's a day coming where all the things we've done, because we all know that God sees what we do. Yeah. There's a day coming where he's going to reward us based on what we've done that's good, or we're going to suffer loss of rewards based on what we didn't do well as Christians. Now, again, this isn't about getting into heaven, not getting into heaven. We don't get in based on our works. Yeah, absolutely. But this is about rewards in heaven that are based on our works. They are based on our works. So... Tyler, let's talk about how yes. will we be judged? Like, what is God looking for in our lives? What are the things we can do to earn rewards? Exactly. What are the things we can yeah. do to, to lose rewards? Yeah, well, the focus on this is what will our judgment be based on, like you said, right? Yeah. That is on our deeds. And that's our judgment in reference, not in reference to your salvation judgment, like we said. Mm-hmm. This is in reference to your rewards. That is what we mean by judgment. It is based on our deeds. And this is all over scripture. Scripture has a lot to say about this. So many passages I could get into, but I mean, you see it in Matthew, you see it in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Colossians, Revelation a lot, talks about that. Uh, And then Hebrews, uh, 2 Timothy, uh, like it's all over. Uh, These uh, basically... Things such as giving to the poor, not bragging about it, and fasting in secret, working heartily into the Lord, caring for orphans and widows. Yeah. These are all things that are a part of what we are judged on. Well, think about for that. our rewards. Jesus, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount would talk about what kingdom living looks like. Exactly. When you give, yeah. don't do it to show off. Yeah, you're don't not even doing it think about aspect. it. You're right? doing it as as a servitude to the Lord. That's yep. what you should be doing it yep. for. Well, when, and, and to others, like like as a heart of like, hey, maybe we just want to help people. Loving God, loving others. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's fasting, it's, right? You're putting yourself last when you're doing it, though. That's yes. that's the key. And, and the idea of this, it, that's what we're going to be judged on. And that's that's, that's what's all over scripture. It's about our deeds on how we, good we were at this, at loving orphans, widows, forgiving others, confessing our sin, giving up uh, like our treasures in this life yeah. and doing justice, love, mercy, all those things. Well, but the other thing is, is in those passages, it does say like your motive also comes into being. Yes. Because that's why yeah, it says well, when, yeah, you, yeah. when you fast, don't look like you're starving and tell everybody, oh, I'm holy, I'm fasting. Wash your face. Yeah. That's what he says. Wash your face. Go out. Don't tell people that you're doing it because you're not doing it to gain the applause of men. And then he says, I'm pretty sure. No, I'm, I'm not pretty sure. I know exactly that he says when he talks about when you're giving, don't give so that everyone sees you. When you're praying, don't pray like he the does Pharisees say that. And he says, do it in secret <laughs> yeah. so that your father who sees in secret will what? reward you they already have the reward because people are patting them on the back in the same that's way, important. Yeah, in the same way how the things that we do in the dark and in secret and in sin are going to be brought to light, the things that we do that are good yes. that are in the dark and in secret yes. are going to be brought to light. And that's what, what he's talking about here. That, that's what the message is of reward. Yep. It's that that is going to be brought to light. And so another thing, that go, goes into play with our uh, our faithfulness. That's really what it is, too. Uh, I mean, and that's also all over Scripture. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 6, uh, Matthew 20. 45, Matthew 25, 30, 20, sorry, 23, and then Luke 16, 10, all over, right? Yeah, following all, God. Yep. Following God and following after God, trusting in him, obeying and doing whatever he says. Um, our words, our thoughts, right? Those yeah. are important. Those yeah. are, And that's something that's, that Jesus talked about a lot, right? Like um, we talked about that before. That's something that uh, we need to think, think about is holding every thought captive. Well, because, because Jesus says if you've looked on a woman with lust, 
You've committed adultery in your heart. That's a sin. Mm -hmm. And then, and then if you've hated a brother internally, internally, it's a sin. Yeah. Thoughts. Mm -hmm. It's uh, your thought life is a part of this. And that is so crucial. Uh, And and that scares me a lot because like I I think about stuff all the time. It happens like, like people do this. It's something that is a part of our sin nature. And that's what we need to focus on in the sanctification process. Yes. Yes. We need to take every thought captive. Uh, and then not being careless with our words too. That's something that's really mm-hmm. important, especially in today's age of social media. Um, yeah. it can be really <laughs> crucial that we're taking our thoughts captive and checking our motives to make sure they're pure before we go and post things online. Yep. Uh, because that, that's something else that is a part of this process, right? It's, it's all about the heart, right? That is what God is looking at when it comes to the reward basis. It's how are you dealing with other areas of your life, your deeds yeah. from the perspective of your heart. Yep. Um, and this type of life is a life of discipleship, right? Mm-hmm. It's a life of following Christ. To become a Christian is simple, right? It's believing it's, Jesus yep. and what he did for you on the cross. But being a disciple is hard. It's, it, it is. Disciple well, stands for uh, discipline, right? It's That's in the root. It's di- Well, and that's where you even get <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, think about it. Because if you're equating everything in scripture with going to heaven when you die, mm. you are going to have a bipolar understanding of God's word yeah. because you have stuff where it says, if you believe in him, you receive everlasting life. God yeah. loved the world that he gave you. Whoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. There's all these passages where it's like, you just believe, right? Right. I'm the bread of life. If you eat of me, you'll have everlasting life. If you drink of me, you'll have, right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's so clear and it seems very simple. And then you hear Jesus say things like, Take up your cross and follow me. Yeah. Right? In this world, you will have trouble. Mm-hmm. Consider it all joy, brothers, when you suffer, right? Yeah. And you go, wait, which is it? Is it simple and, and Jesus did all the work? Or do I have to suffer and do a bunch of work? Well, yes. The answer is yes. The answer is go. yes. Yeah. Jesus did all the work for your justification, but he loves us enough that he wants to conform us to him. He wants us to become more like him. And Mm. that's the sanctification process. But you cannot lose your justification going to heaven when you die based on how well you perform in sanctification. Mm. That is the big point of this. Of course. So many Christians, I think when, when we equate all of scripture, just being about how to get into heaven when you die, it's like, okay, well, I believe in Jesus. So so now what's my life supposed to be about? Exactly, yeah. Well, you have huge purpose. We're supposed to go make disciples. We're supposed to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We're supposed to show him how much we love him by obeying his commandments. And we're supposed to focus on storing up treasure in heaven. I'm pretty sure oh, it was Jesus who said that, right? <laughs> right, yeah. The reason so many Christians don't live lives dedicated to being great disciples of Christ is because they're short-sighted. Being mm. a servant of Christ doesn't seem to get you ahead in life. No. Yeah. Right? It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. And that's that's just the fact of it. And that's what Jesus is promising. Like he's saying, you're going to face trouble in this life. In this life. Mm-hmm. So following him is like, well, what's it getting me? Well, I've heard so many Christians say, like, oh, Christianity just didn't really work for me. And that meant that they didn't get rich from it or they didn't, or whatever, right? Or they had to give something up in their life. That's actually, yeah. that yeah. majority of the time when I've heard people say that, it's because they had to give up sleeping with their girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Yeah. Or they had to give up um, 
some, just give up a sin issue in their life that they didn't want to, mm-hmm. or maybe it was a discipline. It's like, I don't want to go to church every weekend. No, like yeah. something like that. Well, and again, that, that's a part of it. You yeah. don't have to go to church every weekend. <laughs> you don't, you don't, you can be saved and be living terribly. Does it mean that I'm a firm believer that you should go to church every weekend? And so, yes. so is Robbie here. Yes. But that, so that doesn't mean that you should shouldn't you should do that you should keep in fellowship we're supposed to not give up the meeting together with one another hebrews says and it always falls back to but you don't have to you don't don't have to to go to heaven you have to believe in jesus but this is the point Mm -hmm. so many christians don't live as disciples right because they don't see what's in it for them and the reason they don't see what's in it for them is because we teach that all scripture is talking about is how to go to heaven when you die and so once they know that and they check that off the list like i know i'm going to heaven when i die what am i living for that's the point. What yep. are we living for? Well, we're living with purpose to evangelize the world. We're living with purpose to disciple the uh, the world, disciple yeah. other people. And so the reason that so many Christians don't live out the Christian life is because they're short-sighted instead of long-sighted. Right. And Jesus literally told us, don't store up your treasure here on earth. Store up treasures for yourself in heaven where moths can't destroy or rust can't destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. We're supposed to store up treasures for ourselves in heaven. This is one of the purposes of our lives here. So let's talk about the rewards or the treasures in heaven that are promised in scripture. Now, again, so many people will equate this with just going to heaven when you die, but that's not what the scriptures say. They're very Mm -hmm. clear about different rewards we can have when we're in in heaven and when we stand before the Bema Seat of Christ. Right. One of the rewards that we can receive is praise. Mm. Praise from Jesus. And we see this in in the parable of the talents where the guys who did well, he tells them, well done, good and faithful servants, right? You can be told, I'm proud of you. You did it right. You lived your life the way I called you to, even when it was hard. And even when you lived in this crazy culture where everyone seemed to be going against God's word and what he says, you lived for me. Mm. Yeah. That is awesome, right? That's so true. But but in that very same passage, he calls the guy who didn't do it well a wicked and lazy slave. Yeah. Yeah. So if we think we have the potential to be called a good and faithful servant— we also have the potential to be called a wicked and lazy slave. You're absolutely Just right. pointing that out, yeah. right? <laughs> That's something so to take seriously. praise from Jesus for a life well lived is something that we can gain or mm-hmm. we can lose. Um, then there's crowns. Um, one of the crowns that's listed is the crown of life. Listen to this from Revelation 2.10. Jesus says, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. <laughs> This crown of life is awarded to faithful martyrs, people who are faithful under persecution. And with all the events that have gone on in the last few weeks with Afghanistan and the Christians there who have been killed by the Taliban, they were faithful until death and they will be given the crown of life. Mm -hmm. This is a reward that's just for martyrs. It's not for all Christians. It's for the people who have been killed because of their faith in Jesus. That is something you can get, or you can deny Jesus and you lose the reward. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. And then another crown is the crown of glory, right? That's described in scripture. We've seen first Peter one through four, uh, it describes that when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory, right? Uh, this is a special reward for those who have labored to disciple other Christians and shepherd the flock of God. This is for, uh, teachers, right? That's the, that's the crown of glory. And then since there's a stricter judgment for teachers though, as uh, that's very clear throughout scripture, 
that teachers will face a stricter judgment. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that there would be a special reward for those who do it as well. Yes. So there's a contrast to this. There's always a contrast. And that is what it is with the crown of glory. It comes to teachers who did a good job at discipling others. Yeah, because there are people who <laughs> use Christianity for sordid gain and for yeah. power plays yeah. and things like that. There so. absolutely are. Yeah. And then um, and then you have the crown of righteousness, right? Uh, for, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me, to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So see, this is contingent on fighting the good fight, on it finishing is. the course, on keeping the faith. <laughs> That's for people who, so, so you know what that implies? Uh, this, this is really important. It's, it implies, yeah, like, like you said, the people who are fighting the good fight, who live it out, mm-hmm. that implies that Christians can maybe not fight the good fight. They yes. cannot do it. Well, you know what, Which means Tyler, you don't get this crown when you end your life. So 2 Timothy is written, it's the last letter of Paul that we have. Yeah. He wrote 1 Corinthians earlier on in his ministry, and he tells the Corinthians, I beat my body black and blue so that after teaching others that I'm not disqualified from the prize. Mm. And then at the end of his life, he says, I ran the race, I fought the fight, and now there is laid up for me the prize. Yes. Not going to heaven when I die. Of course. And that's not the prize. That's not what he's talking about. He's no. saying there's a literal prize. Yes. Uh, I mean, not that heaven isn't a literal prize, but he's saying there's something else that he's talking about here. It's yep. a crown of righteousness. Um, so, uh, think about having this endowment of your character though, either on display for all to see or the lack of it for all to see. Think of that, mm-hmm. yeah, the, whatever this is, like whether it's a physical crown or whatever it may be when we get there, uh, like there, it's going to be noticeable. People will know yes. in heaven. So uh, it's either going to permanently be placed on you for everyone to see, or you won't have it, which is the contrast and be like, Oh, wait a second. This person didn't have yeah. that. That means that they didn't. Well, some yeah. people will say, no, 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 Robbie, you're just crazy. Like all of this just means like when we go to heaven, it's going to be great. And it's like, no, no, it's, that's not what it says. First that's of not all. at all what There's it says. There's something to be gained yeah. or lost. And the other thing is this, all Christians aren't going to get these rewards because a reward that everyone gets isn't a reward. Yeah. If everyone's first place, well, nobody's not. first place. It's not. That's true. It's a, there's no like participation. Trophy. Well, that's what all this would be is just a participation trophy. If it's not really something to <laughs> yeah, be gained of course. or lost. But that's why Jesus tells us to store up our treasures in heaven. Cause it's better to store them up there than it is here. Of course. Another reward that's listed in scripture is a white stone and a new name. Uh, revelation mm-hmm. two seventeen, Jesus said to him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. And this is really cool. So this white stone uh, is called a tessera, uh, a small white tile. And what they would use these white tiles for in the first century was as a token or a ticket to the athletic games or to banquets. Right. It's a ticket to assure entrance to a banquet. Hmm. That's pretty awesome. That's cool. Think yeah. about that, right? So winners of, like I said, the Isthmian Games, the Olympic Games, they were awarded with a certificate of victory, but they would also get a small white stone with their name carved mm. in it by a carving expert. It was validation of victory, right? Mm. Yeah. You, you won, right? And here is your token of victory. Yeah. Now, the new name is really interesting to think about. Why do I want a new name instead of my name? 
Mm. Um, in Jewish customs, assigning a name to a person at a point in their life which was significant um, would characterize the person's um, behavior and, and kind of sum up who they are. Right. We see Jesus give yeah. nicknames to people, right? Remember Cephas? Yeah. We don't know him as Cephas. We know him as Peter. Right. But who gave him that nickname? Jesus did. Yeah. Yeah. His name was Cephas, but Jesus called him Petros, the, the rock. Yeah. Right? Rocky. It's yeah. kind of the idea, right? Jesus gave uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, a nickname. He called them the sons of thunder, right? Yeah, that's a cool nickname. <laughs> it is a cool nickname. Like, yeah. that's awesome, that's right? Like a, that sounds like a WWE tag it team really name, does. right? It's yeah. like thun- sons of thunder. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah. even in the Old Testament, you think about you it. J- Jacob <laughs> is given the name Israel. Yeah. Right? Abram's mm-hmm. name was changed to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Sarai's name was changed to Sarah. So yeah, I mean, yeah. again, this is something that God does is give names that characterize the person. Mm. So the new name on this stone will be given to people who overcome. That's what he says to him who overcomes, not to all believers, to him who overcomes. And this name will characterize your individual life with your specific struggles, mm. with your specific victories, with your personality, with your tragedies with the suffering you went through on Christ's yeah. behalf. And the idea here, because it says a, a new name written on it, which no one knows, but he who received yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. What is that? This is the idea that no one will know the name except you and Jesus. And this mm. is emphasizing intimacy with Christ, mm. that you and Jesus will have a special name between the two of you. Um, a boyfriend and girlfriend, husband and wife do this. They have special nicknames between yeah, one right. another. That's what this is emphasizing, that Jesus will give you this spe- special name that characterizes who you are to him, that only you and him know in an intimate relationship. Mm, How yeah. are we living in order that we can get that? Because right. it's not to every Christian, it's to the overcomers. It's to the people who live a faithful life, the people who serve Jesus in spite of what's going on around them. That's a reward I really would like. Of course. That yeah. is just amazing. Yeah, it's super exciting. And that, that's what we're focusing on, right? It's the ruling and reigning with Christ. That is what the rewards are about. That's another reward. Yeah, ruling <laughs> yeah. and reigning. And that's another one, ruling and reigning. So uh, I'm going to address that next. Uh, there's tons of passages, again, that go over this. Uh, yeah. 1 Corinthians 6, 2 through 3. Uh, Romans 8, 16 through 17. Uh, Philippians 2, 10. Hebrews 1, 2, and then all throughout Revelations, this is discussed. So what's interesting about this, so the, the, sorry, rule the world, right? That's another part of, one part of ruling and reigning. It's to rule the world and rule angels, right? And we get that idea from 1 Corinthians 6, 2 through 3. As I just said, it says, or do you not know that the saints will judge the world if the world is judged by you? And are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? Mm. Okay. So, so that's, what's really fascinating. We're judge we get angels. To, yeah. We get to yeah. judge angels. Super cool. Um, and then heirs with Christ, right? We get to be heirs with him. Uh, what does that mean? Right. Uh, Romans eight sixteen through 17. Uh, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children Heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If, if indeed. Now that's important. <laughs> yes. We're fellow heirs if. If. So this is contingent on something. Correct. Yeah. We're fellows, fellow heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him so that way we may be also glorified with him. So think about that. 
Suffering gets you into heaven? No. No. Believing in Jesus gets you into heaven. Yeah. But if we suffer with him, then we, we become be... heirs yes. of Christ. That, that, yes. that is a reward. Yeah. And it's so fascinating because it's just the truth. And this is all throughout scripture. We see again, uh, again, like I said, Philippians uh, 2.10, all on heaven and earth will bow to Jesus, right? So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the son is the heir of all things, is the last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. That is Hebrews 1, 2, right? Yeah, so if he, so, so think about it. If we become co-heirs with Christ, mm-hmm. what are we heirs to? Uh, everybody bows down in heaven and on earth. Yeah. Uh, he's the heir of all things. Yes, we become that with him. I mean, that's pretty important. So all things means mm-hmm. the universe, right? Yeah, yeah. All things, the galaxies. All of these things. All things. Yeah, we will be co-heirs with the heir who inherits all these things. And, all of these and things. And this isn't yeah. something crazy idea. This is just what scripture says. It absolutely is. It's all over. And that's not talking about just salvation. This is a reward. This is something that you can get. You can earn yep. this. Yeah, and so reigning over all the nations is another aspect of this. It says, again, in Revelation 2, 26 or 28, he who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end to him I give authority over the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron as vessels of the potter are broken to pieces as I also have received authority from my father and I will give him the morning star he's saying a promise to those who overcome who do his will to the end which is not everyone no yeah so this is something that is exclusive who do his will, who, who, who keeps his deeds. Yes. That's works. Yes. And the revelation three twenty one. he who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his time throne. out. You're saying that if you are an overcomer, Jesus will let you sit on his throne. Yeah. That's literally what it says, right? That's literally what this it says. isn't go to heaven when you die. <laughs> This is no. a reward for this the This is an actual throne. It's not describing my throne being just heaven. Yeah. It's describing throne as there's an actual throne, and you're going to sit there and reign with him if you endure, if you do and this. And then he says, just like I overcame and sat down with my father yes. on his throne. Yes. This is a tremendous promise. Would, but the question becomes, do you want to lose out on that? No. No, so I don't. So that you can sleep around? Mm-mm. So that you can cheat people in business and get a lot of money and retire in Florida? I mean, think about it. Like, for a brief amount of time, Think about yeah. the things that Christians exchange for temporary, stupid pleasure. Yeah. I mean, it's idiotic. But the tactic has become with so many to dangle them over mm-hmm. hell. If you're not living right, you're probably not saved. You're going to go to hell. When really, the motivation should be you're going to miss out in eternity mm-hmm. on reigning, on ruling, yeah. on crowns, on the white stone with a new name, on hearing well done, good and faithful. Like, do you really want to lose out on that for 80 years of fleshly pleasure? Yeah. It's so ridiculous. People are so short-sighted. And then we come in with bad theology and scare them into living <laughs> right. right, which is just a works-based religion. Of course it is, yeah. It. yeah. And, and so this is just really what we're trying to hit home with you guys. It's that the focus is these are rewards that are earned. They really yes. are earned. And this isn't something of salvation. We already have that secure, but this is something that is a, a part of glorification. And that's why how we live now actually does matter. Yes. And we do believe that there are dire consequences to not living for the Lord. But we believe in radical mm. grace and that Jesus and what he did on the cross, and there, if we trust in that, we can never be unborn. Yeah. We can never lose it. 
That is secured because of his work. But our works do matter for rewards. Yes. For showing him we love him. If you if you love me, keep my commandments. For all of these things. And so how we live our life mm. matters extremely, not just for now in this physical yeah. world, which it does, but for eternity, forever and ever into the ages. And so we hope that these passages have kind of enlightened you to rewards theology. It's very important. Yes. I, so I, honestly, like I think about this all the time because this is a big motivation in my life. Like, am I just appearing to people to live for Jesus mm. now? And when I get to the Bema seat, everyone's going to go, you were a phony. Yeah. You think of like a Ravi Zacharias situation, right? It looked like he was doing really great, but behind the scenes, there was some shady stuff. Yeah. Isn't that all of us in, in, in one way or another? Right. We all have it, sin well, that is. other people don't know about. It absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's why we're supposed to confess our sins. That's why we're supposed to walk in the light. That's why we're supposed mm. to stay in fellowship with the Lord and his people. Because it's so easy to pretend to be mm. living a certain way. Yeah. But all of that's going to be made fair in eternity. And I love that idea is God is just, but he's also fair. Yeah. I think about that's why true. am I living for the Lord when there's these people out there who are just getting rich off of abusing the name of Jesus. <laughs> Well, yeah. the reason I'm doing it is because I've right. got the far-sighted long-term play in mind. Well, yeah, not yeah. the short-sighted. I yeah. want a house in the Hamptons, well, right? And that's the thing. It's just it's being a, a good steward of your eternal security, right? It's, yes. And, and what I mean by that is uh, I shouldn't say eternal security. It's being a good steward of your like your your eternity. That's what it is. Eternal investments. Oh, your internal yeah. investments. You're you're putting aside treasures, like it says in scripture. You're storing aside treasures in heaven. Not that's here. What's happened. Not here. Yep. It's an investment. That's what it is. So, uh, so again, I just hope that this podcast episode has been uh, eye-opening to you guys. Uh, I know that even for me, like going through these passages, it's always an important reminder mm -hmm. that I need to be living out my life for the Lord. So that way I can receive this inheritance one day. Yep. It's so important. And we can't confuse these passages with entrance into heaven. That's secured by Jesus through faith alone Amen. because of the yeah. grace that he gives us. That's it. But how we live does matter, and there is rewards to be gained or lost. There's physical life to be gained or lost here and now. There's so much relationship with God, fellowship with God here and now, anxieties or peace, right? All these things that depending on how we are living our lives for the Lord, come or go. And so how we live really matters, but how Jesus lived really mattered to secure our eternal security. Mm. And that can't be changed. We will go to heaven when we die if we've believed in what Jesus did. And so if you haven't trusted in Jesus, you need to. There's no other way for you to be forgiven. There's no other way for you to gain eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. But if you're a Christian and you believe that, how you live really does matter. And one day we're all going to stand before the bema seat of Jesus to be rewarded for what we did in our bodies, whether good or bad. And that should be a sobering thought, and it should also be an encouraging thing. Yeah. Because yeah. I can suffer well now because I know later on I'm going to get credit. Mm. That's like that's a good, I'm going to be validated. Don't you want that? I do. Yeah. You've been mistreated <laughs> yeah. in this life, and then one day the mm. martyrs of Christianity will be vindicated that no, they yeah. were right. And, and the abuse that they, they were, you know, being burned at the stake or being beheaded, yeah. those people were wrong. And they were right to believe in Jesus to the end. It's That's who we need to be. Yep. yep. Showing to be faithful to the end. So we hope this has been encouraging to you guys. Thank you so much for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. And we'll be back next week with another episode. If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. 
Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our Stoneware, Christ Culture, and Coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee.